So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it and you really want to show it. If you're happy and you know it, look at the pic of Meg's boobs. (laughs) (laughs) How's that for inspiration? I'm not very inspired. Well, they're your boobs. I know. I wouldn't be inspired if I had to look at those every day either. You do. You're married to them. They inspire me to take my birth control every night. I mean, that's if that's what you need for inspiration, then so be it. I like it. All right. I'm Megan. And I'm an alcoholic. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. It is episode 22 of the world famous So I Married an Alcoholic podcast. Welcome, darling. Welcome. So good to be here. Back on the road again. We are on the road again. We are recording from the Casa de Antigapi. Yeah. The palatial Berkshire estate. Right now we have him holed up in the green room with Frankie. But before the green we, room. Before we bring him in, a couple of housekeeping items. Yes. So a couple of weeks ago we were talking about our quote unquote babysitter. And then we saw our quote unquote babysitter. And she was not happy that we referred to her as the babysitter. Yes. So we're very sorry, cousin Katie. The official babysitter of the So I Married an Alcoholic podcast. Absolutely. A minor correction, if you will. Well, need it. Must need it. Agreed. Agreed. While we're talking about Cousin Katie, Cousin Katie has one of the most amazing and fun men outside of our special guest this evening (laughs) that I've ever met in my life, and for very different reasons. Very. Right? Yeah. So if you are having a wedding... Really good time. So 50 bucks an hour, you get to rent a shake. <laughs> Who gets the money? Frankie's 529 plan. I was just going to say, you think you should be renting people without their permission? I believe I can. Doesn't that make you like a pimp? It does. Okay. I thought that was illegal these days. I don't think so. All right. We're in the Berkshires. Anything goes. World's oldest profession. I'll have to use Auntie Gay P's address as the address of the business. Makes sense. Because it's illegal here. It's like, you know, prostitution in Nevada. You're going to start your own bunny ranch? Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it the Jake Ranch. <laughs> I, think, I, I, I don't know about that. All right. Well, you know, fleeting idea. Yeah. Anywho. Keep tossing around, hon. I uh, want to make sure we also thank all of the listeners. Again, we are super, super close to 10,000 downloads. We are so blessed and grateful and fortunate to be doing this on a weekly basis. And the amount of feedback that we get is continuing to grow. Uh, we're actually going to, once we bring on Auntie Gay P, we're going to get a really good email this evening uh, with, I think, a pretty pertinent question. And we were actually talking about it earlier, uh, our various answers to that question. And we all had similar yet different answers, but I think it, the gist of it was all pretty much the same idea, right? Yeah, I think we're all kind of aligned in the same camp. I agree. So uh, thank you for all of your feedback. Uh, Please, again, continue to listen, of course, 
like us, share us on Facebook and Instagram. Super easy. It's So I Married an Alcoholic. And then if you have any feedback, you can send it through one of those particular mediums. Or, of course, you can reach out and send us an email at soimarriedanalcoholic at gmail.com. And we're going to try to TikTok on the drive home. We are going to try to TikTok on the way home. I'm not super enthusiastic about those odds. I know. Well, I brought it up for the way here, but, you know, Chris was in one of his moods. I I was wearing a hat. I was not in the mood. (laughs) (laughs) The the hat is not TikTok apparel. It it is not TikTok appropriate. Hmm. I'm just saying. We have to wait till we get the So I Married an Alcoholic Ferrari. Yeah, it's going to be a while. And then we can TikTok. Okay. I mean, one may say you need the TikTok to get the Ferrari. No, I just call Mumsy. (laughs) That's smart. (laughs) <laughs> Mumsy, <laughs> send the Ferrari. Uh, one last little piece of uh, business, if you will. want to make sure we thank the sponsors. So the studio sponsor is Marlene Graphics. MarleneGraphics.com for all of your printing needs. And, of course, the show sponsor, RealTurnABaby.com. RealTurnABaby.com for all of your real estate needs. Now. Dun, dun, dun. The moment has arrived. I don't think I've been this excited since I lost my virginity. <laughs> Were you excited? No, I was terrified. <laughs> Sorry, it was a fleeting moment, I'm it's sure. Kind of the same thing. <laughs> so this is going to be a little bit all over the place, and I want to make sure that I give our guests the proper reverence, if you will. Agreed. To start off with, right? And then in typical So I Married in Alcoholic fashion, we will quickly visit the gutter, much like Megan. Where is this going? Well, this is going to be interesting, right? <laughs> I think that we are fortunate and blessed in the same way. Again, by by no uh, fault of my own or my own grand plan or anything like that, but I, I do truly believe in a higher power, and I do believe that people are placed in your life at the appropriate time, if you will. Uh, and obviously, you know, that led me to Megan. But before Megan... I was fortunate enough to have met somebody that I consider a very good friend of mine, you know, totally helped me to get where I am. Definitely not professionally, but certainly, (laughs) certainly personally, and also a big part of the program that I work, the AA program. uh, I credit a lot of that to, I mean, his real name's JP, but on the show, he's known as Auntie GP. With that being said. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you, for the first time ever, Auntie Gay P. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make it so awkward, dude. I know. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, He's just warming up. Yeah, right. What a great introduction. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. I meant every single word of that. Welcome to my humble abode in the basement. (laughs) I know. Where Chris set up a professional studio and he brought the boobs. He did. I did bring the boobs because, again, I think we all need a little inspiration every now and then. And somehow, some way, Meg's boobs provide that sick, twisted inspiration. And you're welcome. Yes. You're very welcome for that. Because <laughs> we know that's where the boobs came from. Yes, JP is the uh, creator of Megan's boobs. Frankie's one-year birthday. That's what it was for. Yes. yes. That's right. It's amazing. Wow. So why don't you tell us, so JP actually has a super interesting story in terms of his alcoholism, his addiction, 
that led him into that same recovery house that I met him at. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and then we can go into some of the more particulars and then we can have a little fun with it. All right. Sounds good. So my name is JP and I'm an alcoholic and I, let's see, five years ago, I think Mm -hmm. it was January. I ended up in handcuffs. I went back to the hotel that I was running at the time in front of my staff and uh, went into my room and was then nicely brought to jail. (laughs) (laughs) That may actually be the nicest way I've ever heard that put. Right. Anyways, I thought I grew up in a family with uh, my uncle was a cop. My cousin's a cop. I had different people. My my grandmother was a judge. And um, I thought if I did the right thing, I would be okay because that's what the cops were telling me. However, it's not always the case. Well, I think the problem is you maybe didn't do the right thing to get there to begin with. No, well, no, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) But you were of the mindset, if I'm honest now and say I'm sorry, it'll be okay. Right. Understandable. Mm -hmm. I felt the same way. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So why you're both morons. You always <laughs> say nothing except lawyer. How are you doing today, sir? Lawyer. Right. That's not what happened with me. <laughs> me either. They were like, write something on a piece of paper. I was like, all right. What I'll do you write want me it to all. Write? Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, after spending some hours in the local jail, a judge came on, started talking to him. I was like, oh, I'll be out by dinner time. And he looked at me and he said, so you're looking at three to six, and it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bail. And I literally threw up on the floor, <laughs> shit my pants, and um, was no longer high. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's a buzzkill. That was a total buzzkill. Yeah. Anyways, I uh, I went to a little country club in Bucks County, Doylestown, for a few months. Mm-hmm. Then I was let out. And uh, I went down to Florida. I did 90 days down at a treatment center down in Florida and then came back home for a week to get, you know, when you get sober, you start taking care of yourself. You start going to the doctor. So I had a bunch of tests that were done. Got back in my car and the my mother had said she cleaned my car out on my way back because I was going down for transitional living. So I thought my mom cleaned my car out, headed down back to Fort Lauderdale from Vermont. Um, And as I'm heading down, I look over into the uh, passenger seat and there's my type of alcohol all in the passenger seat car, found a straw, cleaned up whatever it was that was in it, and then got high and relapsed after five months being clean, two two months in jail and three months in um, treatment. So ended up going down. Let's see. Chris knows the story. <laughs> ended up going down, finding a dealer on the way, um, getting high with him. Then I had a great thought of going to see my friends who lived in Vero Beach, but I didn't want to look high. So I stopped and got a mud mask, put it on. <laughs> and <laughs> You thought if you exfoliate it, it would be better. Had to have, definitely had to have clear skin. Clear Makes face. sense. Makes sense. Right. I remember stopping in Georgia to get that because I knew I had some time to get to Vero. That's one hell of a face mask. It was. It was dark. And it peeled <laughs> and I peeled it off. And then I sat in McDonald's parking lot before I went to meet them to make sure it was all off. Because I was so fucked up. 
Now Were the, you driving with the face mask yes, on? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, my God. Needless to say, the people I went to see, the mother and the daughter are both in AA as well. Mm. So I go in. Luckily, I had been high for 13 years every day before I got there. So I was able to fake it, I thought. But I manipulated them. I manipulated my... Uh, treatment center letting me say that I could spend an extra night with them and I manipulated them telling them that I was going back to treatment where what I did was is I just got high again with somebody else in some I don't know if I can back alley someplace who knows did and, the old um, bait and switch yeah you know so that worked out well for me but anyways I uh got back to treatment I did another five week stent there before I got had to come back to Bucks County for uh drug court ended up by honestly like Chris has a grace of god um you know i treat or the recovery house that we lived in doesn't allow you to go from treatment to the recovery house without being transported by the treatment center well i was in fort lauderdale Mm -hmm. i was going to drive back we didn't tell anybody that i had relapsed and then all of a sudden the owner of it said you know something we're not comfortable with my dear mother got on online found me a ticket found somebody to drive my car up and i was able to fly up to Philly, which was amazing. And that's really where my sobriety started. Um, my, just like with everybody else, my, you know, I did, th- I came from a great family. I had everything I wanted. I had great family members and everything. And I got back up to Philly, got into treatment center, got into drug court, um, didn't have a car, was, you know, taking the train three hours on Thursdays to go sit in front of a lawyer. And something changed in my life. You know, I wanted to get sober. Sober wasn't something that I wanted to do to begin with. Mm -hmm. Sobriety was something that came probably about four months or five months into working the drug court program in AA. And, um, you know, I was blessed. Everything that I did for my recovery wasn't because of what I did, but because my higher power put these things in front of me. And I got involved with a great group of people at, you know, the treatment center. I you know, stayed in the middle of the pack in drug court and tried not to get in trouble, just wanted to get through it. Mm-hmm. And for a little while, all I might could think of was I can just get through these as quick as I can. I can go back out and I can put a needle in my arm again. Sure. And, um, you know, something changed, something happened. I started working the program, found a great sponsor. Actually, I found a kid who was 22 years old who had an amazing sobriety after three years. And, you know, he helped start to save my life and give me just blessings that I never had before. You know, he he was a great sponsor that I was able to have. You know, I got to Bucks. I did my program and things like that. And then, I mean, I had fun. I mean, I the program I was in was really intense. I remember... This is drug court you're talking drug court, about. Yeah, drug court, right. So sure. it was really intense. I remember when Christopher, well, I don't remember the day he came to the house. True story. <laughs> And kind of a funny one. So I was at a Tuesday night house meeting, walk in, look around, look over at the house manager. And I was like, we get a new kid. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, we get a new kid. He goes, yeah, two weeks ago. Yep. And I looked over and it was Chris. And then he opened his mouth and I was like, this fucker's from Boston. <laughs> I was like, yep, he's not far from where I'm from at all. And then we just became really close friends. And, you know, the two of us went through a lot together in that. Um, I don't know. We just had a great time together. We became friends really quickly. Um, you know, the thing was, is that I went back into Philly. I had to get sober where 
my addiction took me to my low point. And I mean, by low, low point, I mean, I lost my car two or three times to, if anybody knows Philly, you know, the Philly fuckers that take your car. So, oh, the parking authority. Right. They're not nice. I lost it. They had their own show for a while. I know. And I think I was probably on it high. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go back. Watch the reruns. I would. I mean, I was sitting there to, like sending messages to my mother being like, you need to send me $2,000. I need my car back. I was such a self-centered little prick when I was using yeah. it. It was awful, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing that happened was is that I lost my family. Like they didn't want anything to do with me. I, my brother didn't want anything to do with me. My brother's kids didn't want anything to do with me. And AA started to creep into my life. It slowly started. God, I went to five or six or seven meetings a week. Mm-hmm. New guys would come into the house and I would take them after I had already gone because like Chris was too fucking lazy to get up on time to go to a meeting. So I'd have to take him later in the day because <laughs> he wasn't allowed to drive. Just saying. It's the fact. It's the fact, buddy. No, I hear you. (laughs) You couldn't do those early morning meetings. Uh, I still, I needed my beauty sleep years ago because I knew in the back of my mind that I was losing hair at a rapid pace. (laughs) I was like, this body needs all the rest it can get. And with your hair. It's been a while since I've seen you and... It's bad. It's not nice. I know. I I know. It'll work for you. Your next puzzle, by the way, should be my hairline. I was going to put my balls, but your hairlines are just as fine. How about your balls on my hairline? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Somebody just got wet. <laughs> Let's change gears a little bit. And okay. not that I don't appreciate your story, but I think we have, you know, a somewhat limited time to right. deliver a, a super impactful story. So one of the things that I noticed, and maybe some of those out there in listener land notice, is that you said your was it alcohol of choice yes so in the aa program uh if you're a member of aa it's kind of an old school thing but you don't necessarily talk about drugs so to speak right and one of the things that i learned early was that you respect the program that you're in right you know so i think that's really huge for me and it's something that i after philly i was in vermont and vermont is very small old school AA and things along those lines. And one of the things that they had always said to me was, when you tell your story, you're very respectful in terms of AA. You always say my type of alcohol and things along those lines. And I try and keep like the drug portion of it out of my story when I'm in AA because it, sure. for me, it's a program that's keeping me sober. doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. Um, and not that I think in the grand scheme of things, it, it matters what your particular substance of choice was. Um, but obviously it's a big part of your story, much less a big part of my story. And I always identify as an alcoholic and I've certainly had my own issues with alcohol, but it wasn't alcohol that brought me to my knees and destroyed my life. You know, it was definitely of the opiate variety. Right. Right. So that obviously being a big thing. The other big thing that I noticed that you said uh, was the family piece of it. Um, and interestingly enough, today we met Mumsy, my Mumsy. We met Barb's, your Mumsy. Yep. And two of those three nephews that you just told us three minutes ago that had no interest in being a part of your life. We all sat down and had an amazing lunch today. And that's what this program has given me, that I 
And I talk about it all the time. Like my story, in my past, I try and stay out of my drunkologues and things along those lines because everybody has them, right? Mm-hmm. We all had them. They're all the same. Um, what I find is amazing is the fact that, you know, today, my nephew, who's 15, wants to go with us to Yankee Candle because he wanted to spend time with us. Yeah. Which is awesome. Right? Yeah. Right. Because you know. he's so much cooler than we are being a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, but I mean, just the fact that... That's really awesome. Right. In, you know, I mean, one of the really crazy things was the youngest one, because what happened was is I had a huge breakdown before everything happened. Like, I was with, I was here, I was over in Deerfield with my family. Colin was playing uh, soccer. I had been out the whole night before partying. Went home, drove back over to see them, and then during that game, I ended up falling asleep. And then something happened, and I wasn't what I wanted, and I was mad, and I threw my phone. And my brother, who is the most calm, relaxed, even-keel person... And also hot, uh, according to my wife and my mother. Yes. They, Jeff is a very attractive man. He is. We're not going to lie. Sure is. I don't expect you to, darling. We do honesty here, honey. That's right. That's why your boobs are on the wall. Jeff's a looker. Wow. So are your boobs. <laughs> They're looking at something. Speaking the of The floor, Jeff. unfortunately. So Jeff's got a much better hairline than I do. He does. I'm very intimidated. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff's a lot. Well, he's actually, he's the same age as you. That's fucked up. Right. Terrible genes. Mm. He looks good. Sure does. Oh, I'm sorry. Why don't you uh, agree to that, Megan? (laughs) I agree. Concur. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So getting back to it. What happened was they, he lost it. He lost his shit in front of his kids. He did. And um, I don't remember a lot of it. I remember them trying to get me into a detox down in Boston. And I was like, I can't detox from what I'm on. Like, I, they didn't know what I was on. They thought I was a drunk or this or that, the other thing. Um, when I was talking to the nurse on the phone, I was like, there's no point in me coming down there. I'm like, I'm a total meth head. Right. Like, like I, you can't detox from meth. So, right. you know, we were talking this, that, but then, you know, he just lost it. And so when I finally came back, I picked Colin up maybe three years ago from hockey camp or hockey practice. And the kid said to me, and I'll never forget this. He said to me, do you love my dad? Mm. And I said, why do you ask that? And he's like, because my dad was really mean to you that time a number of years ago. And, you know, I just looked at him and got super choked up and emotional and said, of course, I love your dad. He's my brother. I said, the problem was, is that I was very, very sick. Mm. And, um, you know, that it just has shown, you know, what this program can do i mean today they facetime me they call me they want to be with me you know it's it's just really it's amazing it is to go from that to you know where we were today yeah yeah absolutely and even you know again because we were with both of our mothers and actually before we came down and started to do the show i was outside having a smoke with jp and I was just saying how special of a moment that was, like our two mothers that have never met before in their lives, but you and I have that same, you know, similar story, not in terms of like 
what got us into the rooms, but just the fact that we were a mess and we put our parents through hell. And even when we created our own issues, you know, financially, legally, whatever it may be, it was, you know, mummy was the first phone call like, hey, you need to fix my fuck ups. And the fact that we can have, you know, a, a fantastic meal with them and just spend a couple of hours with them and be present and just enjoy their company is, you know, one of the most special parts of this program, if you will, right? Yeah. And I mean, to be able to share it with, you know, Frankie and uh, Meg and Je- I mean, it was just, it was an amazing day. It was beautiful out. It was gorgeous. You know, it was kind of last, your mother came last minute, which was even more amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just a great time. So. And I think when we talked about earlier, how like um, God, whatever puts these people in your life, I think that's, you know, you could kind of see that sitting around that table. I think both JP's mom and your mom, and they both credit um, each of you with helping their child. Does that make sense? Like your mom said several times to JP, like, thank you for being his friend. And, you know, Momsy says the same thing. You know, JP's such a good friend to you. And it's just amazing. Um, I think, you know, everyone helps each other. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like the way that it all fell together, you know, everyone kind of saved each other in a roundabout way. I cannot argue with that one bit. You know, it was just it was the right mix of our shitty behavior that put us into these uncertain circumstances that sort of made us the people that we are today. So early on, we had talked about how we had gotten an email earlier in the day today. Uh, And we all had similar but sort of different answers. And I will read the email verbatim. It says, hey, Chris and Megan, a shout out to both of you for the courage put forth on a daily basis. A question. Is there something stated in the alcohol addiction program that says one must be labeled an alcoholic addict even after recovery and with a lengthy duration of sobriety? And she was saying that this particular question was inspired by every time we open and close the show, Megan and I always say, I'm, you know, so-and-so and and I'm an alcoholic. And if you go to AA meetings or NA meetings, it's always, hi, I'm Chris, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Chris, I'm an addict, whatever. So who wants to go first? I'll speak to it. So I, um, I think there are people that say, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I personally do not. Um, I identify as an alcoholic and I say it every day. I think we've talked about this before in the sense that every day I have to remind myself that I'm an alcoholic. Um, So that kind of just helps, you know, keep me in the green, I guess, of the reality of it. You know, I may have some time under my belt. I may be working a program, but at the core, I'm an alcoholic and it only take one little slip, bad day, good day, you know, one moment of forgetting that I'm an alcoholic to pick up the next drink. So for me, I think it'll always be, you know, God willing, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, then hopefully, you know, I'll be close to dead. But um, I think it'll always be I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. I totally get that. Obviously, I get that. (laughs) What about you, JP? I agree with what Megan said. I think that, you know, for me, it's I walk into the room. I have to identify as who I am, an alcoholic. Um, and I need to be able to remind myself of that because like we were talking earlier, if I don't 
identify with what my disease is, I'm only getting one step closer to a drink. And if I go into a program and I start for myself, if I were to, well, I'm recovered alcoholic. Well, one, I don't know if there's any such thing as a recovered alcoholic. I th- recovering alcoholic, yes. Sure. But I don't, I mean, personally, I don't think I could ever call myself a recovered alcoholic because at any point, if I'm not spiritually fit or working a program, I'm going to be out drinking. Right. So for me, it's just, and it's the re- I think it's also the respect for the meeting that you're in. You know, so that's that's where I stand with that. I think we've said this before. This is a disease that has absolutely no cure, you know, so it's every day you're still an alcoholic, whether or not, you know, even if you haven't had a drink in 50 years. And I think the other thing that's important is, especially in pandemic, we saw a ton of relapse and relapse for people that had 10, 15, 20, 30 years. So, you know, it's it's never all the way behind you. So it's absolutely, I I tell myself that I am an alcoholic and I use that in a present tense term, not a past tense term, because there is nothing past tense about my disease, except for the shitty things that brought me into the rooms that I've done, you know? And, And if I don't remind myself of that every day, even through just that simple statement that, hi, I'm Chris, I'm an alcoholic, Bad things will happen, and all of this will go away very, very quickly. And that's that's the unfortunate reality of this thing. And we talked about it, you know, several weeks ago that just in 2020, 100,000 people overdosed or died from addiction. That's one year, you know. And I'm certainly not going to put words into those people's mouths, but I, I can assure you if... Some of those people woke up on a daily basis and reminded themselves that they were an alcoholic or an addict. They may still be here, you know, and that's just how powerful and insidious and insane this whole thing is, right? It's it's just crazy. So we want to make sure we thank Beth for that question. We hope that we answered it. And of course, if you have any other feedback, please send it to so I married an alcoholic at Gmail. Or you can use any of our social media platforms, the Facebook, the Instagram. Again, it's So I Married an Alcoholic. And because I met your mother today and she was such a sweet woman, we're going to steer clear of the bleeding asshole lane. I think that's fair. That's very fair. But let's talk about your experience in jail. Mm. So do you want to tell the story or do you want me to tell the story? (laughs) Because even though I wasn't there, I have made up a version of this story in my mind <laughs> that is so super homoerotic and filled with all kinds of unicorns and like unicorns guards. No, that's his thing, not yours, JP. It's not, I'm not the type of guy. I and, know. You know, guards dancing around naked at midnight mm. and like, like all the this. nutcracker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of fanciful shit. So, feel free, Chris. I. Your story is probably a lot better than mine. <laughs> so JP went to jail, as I believe you previously discussed. I did. And, I mean, the thing was, I think it four to five felonies. Wow. That were thrown up against the wall for me. That's pretty How impressive. did you rack up four or five felonies? I don't know. Something about transportation, state lines. It's an imaginary line. I know. Well, there was a big line. 
<laughs> when the cops walked into my room, <laughs> the quantity, the quality, like there was a whole the bunch quality, of, the quality, the quantity, the fishing bowl of GHB. I mean, you name it. it oh was, my goodness! It was all there. Oh my! Like God. a treasure trove of party supplies. I don't think well, I realized you were at the hotel you were running to, like in front of your staff. Right. I'm assuming they didn't save your job for when you got back from jail. No, no, no. They definitely uh, put everything I owned in boxes. <laughs> and they sent it to Vermont to Barb's. That was nice. At least they returned your things. They did. They charged me for it. No way. Like shipping? Yes. That is <laughs> fucked up. Wow. I mean, is it though, Chris? Because he was running a drug ring out of his bedroom. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if you put it in like a locker at the back of the police station, at least you didn't have to pay for it. And they were paying him a salary for it. Maybe they thought he owed them. I guess so. All right. right. Anyway. Well, and that's fair. Right. So you had met somebody in prison. I can't remember his name. Eric, Ferrick, something. Yeah, I remember his name. It it was Eric. It was Eric. (laughs) I can't remember. So we had the store. What's the store? I don't know. There's like a commissary thing. Meanwhile, I was that type of guy who had to spend as much money as possible because my mother wouldn't bail me out. So I was livid with her, right? (laughs) So you were buying buying TVs, walkie head, what are those things called? Uh... Headphones, right? But um, whatever, and would get it taken away because I would let somebody borrow it, and it was contraband. And it wasn't like they were forty dollars; like they would be at the store. I mean, the TV I got was like six inches, two hundred and eighty dollars for this TV. No way! Like a hundred bucks for a Walkman. Every time I got it taken away from me, that's insane. every time I got it taken away. So you were like on a weekly Walkman buying spree. I didn't care. I wanted out. And I was mean and I was rotten. You were rotten. Mm-hmm. And I was selfish. Mm-hmm. And I spent probably more money than the $10,000 it would have cost her just to bail me out of that motherfucking place. <laughs> <laughs> On Walkmans, which they haven't even made since 1992. And commentary. That ramen noodle stuff. Yeah. Oh, I had to buy new underwear every week. I had to get new socks. I needed because <laughs> I was a spoiled little boy. You were. <laughs> Definitely. Damn. Um, but I always forgot to order honey buns. Mm. So Eric had the commissary and you could trade your stuff to get things from the commissary store, which was illegal to begin with. Like what, trade sexual favors? N- most people did not know. Okay. And this store was like run out of the back of his cell correct uh it wasn't the official prison sponsored store correct i i'm getting i'm picking up what you're putting down this commissary is brought to you by the pennsylvania department of corrections you know what though you gotta give them credit right like entrepreneurial spirit right you know i'll take four ramens for and you'd get like two chichis back well all of the stuff I bought was clothing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, a, like a Gucci bathrobe? Well, that, but it was Bob Barker. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I needed stuff. So I would not have anything. Anyways, put it together. I got honey buns for free. Mm. And Chris, I'm sure, will be more than happy to explain the rest of the story <laughs> to you. Fill in the blanks. Well, Theater of the mind. How about this? Why don't you tell them more of the letter? 
Was that from the honey bun proprietor? Yeah. So now they know about the honey buns. Yes. The favors that went along to get the honey buns. Well, I don't think they know about the favors. Well, they do I now. think they put it together. <laughs> oh. We have a smart audience. Maybe, Very smart. Maybe I'm clearly not as smart as the audience. Obviously, you're a little slower than both of us tonight. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> right? It's a shame. So anytime when JP and I lived in the recovery house, anytime that we would get a new guy in the house, there was, you know, an intake process that you had to go through, and it was several hours. And then once a week, we would have house meetings. So we would sit said new guy in front of, you know, I think at that time there was probably 10 or 11 of us living in the house together. So we would sit the new guy in front of all these people and I would take out letters from your celly. And I can't remember. I think you have since thrown away said letters from your celly. I did. Was that because of me? Was that like a monumental event? No, I was to my past. I, I really like didn't mm-hmm. want to remember that part of it anymore. I will not allow you to leave that in the I, past. I know you won't. There's a lot of things that you can put behind you. That is never going to be one of them. Not with you. Chris not will make here. sure of it. Not here. I just remember one, I don't know, snowy Saturday, right? So <laughs> <laughs> Bundled up, sipping cocoa. No, no, no. We were in the house. All of us were in my room. There was two beds in there and then literally eight uh, six other guys right so there's like two of us on one bed two of us on another and this new crew of guys all came in and we sat there and chris goes it's time for a letter and i went fuck (laughs) and i had hit it like away a little bit because chris pills it out starts reading it and then the thing was is this guy any of the eyes were signed with a heart Yes. Over the top. So every time that it would come up, he would be like, loves or something. And he'd be like, with a heart on top. <laughs> I, was, I was very theatric about very it. Very theatric. Oh, I, I can Could imagine. you imagine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, uh, well, I, not for nothing, but this is what happens when you stuff, you know, 8, 10, 12 people in the same house that are absolutely dead sober and have nothing but coffee and Red Bull and monsters and cigarettes cigarettes lots of cigarettes and it was i don't know and each other jp may not share the same sentiment but i thought it was fun reading my love letter yeah Uh, super fun (laughs) and actually you want to know what it's funny because you know who else really enjoyed it dr chung dr chung dr chung always enjoyed when chris would break out the love letters always He he would like gather the people he would, and then he would sit right next to me. He was like the usher. You know, the ushers that are like, this is your seat, sir. <laughs> that was Dr. Chong, who since moved on to a very successful career in pharmaceuticals. <laughs> Correct. Which is interesting, right? Right. Full circle. Full yep. circle. Now, if I could just get him up here to marry me, that's all that would really matter. Oh, well, I, I think this is the perfect venue for you to ask him for his hand. <laughs> I will not. No? No. And I think more importantly, he's not gay, right? I don't think so. JP? Everyone's gay. So let's take a little dive into, like, you know, foreign affairs. So you talk about, like, geographic boundaries, etc. Let's talk about the state of your asshole. It's as nice as Meg's. Ooh. I wouldn't know. Yeah, that's right. Never well, honey. It's bullshit. That's it. 
Oh, I thought you meant you'd never know if mine was as nice as hers. No, he's more likely to know if yours is nice than he yeah, well no, mine. Yeah, to- no, if I yeah. told you to drop your pants right now and show me your starfish, you'd be like, okay. I probably wouldn't say it all gay like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, and if this is going way too far, please, by all means, stop me. Do you think that your alcoholism addiction you know whatever was a result of your sexuality no no i don't think it was a part of my sexuality i mean my sexual i was always gay okay like my mother literally said i knew when you were four when i told her when i was 21 no i think that no yeah she did um i think that my alcoholism and drug use became more prevalent when I got older and I had to make a choice. I mean, it was 20, 22 years ago, 25 years ago, I came out. Um, and it was definitely not the world that we live in now. And we're still certainly miles away from where we should be, in my opinion, as a nation. But back then, it was not cool, so to speak, to be out. It wasn't cool to be gay. Right. Especially, I lived in a small town in Vermont. Yeah. Not cool. <laughs> Not okay. Not okay. Yeah. Um, but the alcohol is in, in drugs. Like, once I started, I mean, and you guys have said this over and over again on your show, like, it, I liked the way it made me feel. Mm. I don't know if I, per se, liked the feeling it gave me. Right. You know, like, I didn't... Like, at one point when I was running bars in Springfield, I was running three, like, nightclubs in Springfield, and literally I would jack myself up on Coke, bring myself down on Percocet, and then bring myself back around on vodka. Mm-hmm. Like that, and I didn't enjoy the feeling of any of it, just like the fact that it got rid of all of my feelings. Right. You know? so There was no feeling. <clears throat> right. There was no feeling, because I was so... But then I thought it was okay, because I, I you know, I'm... Doing the coke, drinking the vodka to bring me down, taking the Percocet to get rid of the sh- <laughs> the jitters from the cocaine. <laughs> you had it well managed. I was. I was very well managed. I was very well. It's a very strict program mm, of was, a different sort. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, because for a long time, just I having sex with, you know, didn't feel right. So really, the only way I could do that was even just by being high. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then it didn't really matter what I was because I switched up to meth and I stopped drinking probably six or seven years ago. You know, I'd trade it up, people would say, mm-hmm. to uh, something a little bit different. And, you know, all my nevers came true. I never thought that I would do things to get meth. I never thought that I would end up in jail. I never thought that I would end up in drug court. I never thought that I would be in treatment for God, forever. <laughs> um, but again, I mean, all of it worked out the way that it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was, I don't think, I would say that the alcohol and the drugs made it easier for me to be gay. Mm-hmm. Because I could be the person who I felt like I wanted to be. So, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that story is similar and it doesn't really matter what your cause was I was just telling Chris this actually yesterday I don't remember when but 
I was talking about how, I, you know, I'm a member of all these different groups. And, you know, the one, this girl's on there talking about, you know, my sponsor said I shouldn't be going to meetings and, like, telling my story and, you know, all this awful graphic stuff that happened to me. And, like, people are like, that's your story. Tell it. And although that's true, right, in a sense. Sure. It's also you can see people where they're at in their sobriety. And in the beginning, that seems like the most important part to tell. Because at that moment, Mm. it is, this is everything that happened to me. And that's why I drank. I used drugs. Like, this is why I did what I did. Because it wasn't actually my fault, you know? And then the farther along you get, you realize, like, that stuff actually doesn't matter. Because... Mm -hmm. It was how you coped with it or lack thereof that got you to where you are. Right. Does that make sense? So um, I can't imagine what it was like being gay 25 years ago or, you know, 40 years ago. We won't disclose your exact age. But um, I'm just saying he's got a lot more hair than you do, Chris. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But like I can't put myself in those those shoes, obviously, but. I know what it's like to go through hard things, right? And I think, um, you know, Chris and I have talked about this before because we're a huge supporter of, you know, the gay community and how you see a lot of people that are gay um, in the program. And, you know, because it was hard to come out or hard to not feel like you could be yourself. Um, But I think a lot of people can relate to that, even if it's not based around your sexuality. No, absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, I think that's what it, I mean, we all used whatever our substance was to get out of self. Exactly. Right. I agree. Let me ask you this, and, and I guess I can pose this to both of you, and I don't even know if, Megan, if you and I have privately talked about this, but I don't this know. This always makes me nervous. I was, yeah. I was a little inspired by the, the last couple of minutes of conversation. Okay. So, looking back today... You know, both JP and Megan, I'm going to kill your fucking cat. She loves you. She's on your... I know. So looking back from where you both are sitting today, and if you can just sort of play back the some of the more gruesome, horrible times when you were in your worst or deepest part of your addiction, would you still have walked through that quote-unquote shit to get you to where you are today in the life that you're living today. Like if you knew five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you were given two options, you know, you can take the easy road to X life or you can take, you know, the next X amount of time and it's going to be absolutely terrible and it's going to almost destroy you and maybe even almost kill you. But this is what you're going to have afterwards. Would you still do it? No. No, I would 100%. Shitty question? No, it's a good question. It's a thought-provoking question. It is a thought-provoking question. Would I hurt the people I hurt, do those horrible things? No. that I mean, no, I would choose not to do that. Um, Do I... Do I say that um, I don't wish I was an alcoholic? Um, I mean, probably, but I think in a sense, no, I think that, um, getting to work at the program we work, I I don't know. I think 
this is going to sound bad and maybe offend a lot of people, but I think a lot of people live um, the status quo. And I think that because of this disease that makes you soul search, work harder, dig deeper, um, I get to live a much higher quality of life, a more enlightened life maybe, um, than I ever would have. I think, you know, if all the things didn't happen, if I didn't pick up that first drink and I, you know, stuck with my original plan, um, I think my life would have been fine. I don't think I would have been happy mm-hmm. as, as I am now, if that makes sense. It does. And I would have gotten to meet you, darling. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Gay. What about you, bud? Well, I think a lot like Meg said, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's I saw the life that I was living before. I really don't. If I no, I would never want I I would want the path that I chose Mm -hmm. because where I am today, I would not be the serenity I have the being able to, you know, work on my character defects to be able to listen to what people have to say and not judge them on a daily basis like I used to. Um, The biggest thing is I don't give a shit what people think about me anymore. Right. That's a huge one. Like if I had lived the same life that I was living before, I was always so worried about what everybody thought. Well, am I this? Am I good looking enough? Am I thin enough? Am I gay enough? Am I not gay enough? You know, things along those lines. Today, I don't care. It's none of my business what these people think about me. Right. And it's the program that gave me that. Like, not only that, but it gave me my family and things like that. And, you know, five years ago, I was in a jail cell with three to six and four to five felonies. And today I'm running a beautiful boutique hotel in the Berkshires. Like, crazy shit. I I I wouldn't give it up for, I wouldn't change a thing. The people who I've met, I mean, my PO was, I'm still friends with my PO. That's fucked up. (laughs) That's fucking awesome is what it is. You know, things along those lines, like these little gifts that, you know, my higher power has given me over all these years, like the friendships that I found, the guys who I got sober with, the guys who I used to go to New York City with before COVID happened and things along those lines, going to plays with you guys in New York City, like none of this. I think, like she said, I think I would be comfortable with the status quo and not be happy, Mm -hmm. you know, and today I'm, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy. And it's something that I never was never. Yeah. So back at you, honey, what's your answer? I mean, I'm just happy. I have a country club and a bird dog. Oh, thank God that dog didn't come. I know. Bird dog's boarding this weekend. Yeah. Bird dog is boarding. Smart move. Yeah. Let me tell you, I was sitting outside this morning drinking my coffee and I was like, this is glorious. No bird dog up my ass. Yeah. Right? I could drink the coffee in peace. And look at the beautiful mountains. I know. Mm-hmm. That's serenity, folks. Sans bird dog. That's true. Now, if I had to, you know, again, if you put down a list of all of the horrific things that I've done and the trouble that I've caused and the money that I spent and the relationships that I ruined. If you literally put that on a bullet point list and said, you will have this life, but you have to hit each one of these milestones one after the next, I would totally 
you know, jump on that list immediately. Um, you know, again, the fact that we get to drive up here. Like, two weeks ago, we were visiting my father and my stepmother down in North Carolina. And let me tell you something. 99% of my family four and a half, five years ago wanted absolutely nothing to do with me. And the fact that we can just pop into their house and hang out and we had lunch with our respectful mothers today. Um, you know, that kind of life was not a part of my plan. That's for damn sure. And I wake up every day, you know, angry and sour at Megan, but I, <laughs> I still have an amazing and a beautiful life. And I have uh, an amazing stepson and I have a precious little daughter and there's a roof over my head and there's heat in my house and food in my fridge. And I don't worry about, you know, a lot of the stuff that I used to be consumed with years ago, you know, and that's the kind of freedom that I never thought I could get working this program. I just, I didn't, th I thought that that was reserved for like, you know, the politicians and the super elite of the world. <laughs> like, honest to God, you know, I didn't think a derelict from Worcester could live that kind of life, you know? And here you are, honey, making it happen. On a pink table with a pink tablecloth on it. Yeah, it's a pink cloud. I want to uh, see your pink asshole. Hey -oh. <laughs> oh. I offered that to you when we were at the lodge, and you never, ever took it up. I know. But now you're asking for it, and now you're married. I know. It's too well, it's late. because I have a newfound freedom. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did there. There you go. All right. You two donkeys got anything uh, mind-blowing to say? No. Well, again, I, I cannot thank you enough, JP. Um, or if we're going to put you back in character, it's Auntie Gay P. Um, I want to thank you, of course, for opening your home to us it's a beautiful home and again i don't know if anybody's heard this before but he used the realtor and a baby.com referral system found an amazing realtor and here we are thank you for letting frankie smash crackers all over your floor and play coco melon non-stop it's all right i got to watch her eat them off her feet <laughs> <laughs> kids are gross so disgusting and, but then i got to sit in the car with her for an hour and just stare at her she's Beautiful little girl. Aww. That's truly one of life's greatest gifts, man. I'm not sure how you got that with Chris. <laughs> it's, you know, 10 million sperm and she was the lucky one. <laughs> <laughs> She's got nice hair. She does have nice hair. You do too, Meg. Thank you. You're welcome. It's an amazing life. Well, again, thank you for coming on the show. I truly appreciated you being here. I think this is something we may have to, when we get back to the uh, home base, the home studio. We may have to do like a phoner every now and then. A phoner, and you can you can call into the show and just drop some little bits of wisdom here and there. Or my nuts on your forehead. You can do that whenever you want. That'll be our next picture on the wall. <laughs> Photoshopped. Yeah. Okay. Those nuts ain't going on my head. <laughs> it's disgusting. But I'll mushroom stamp Megan anytime. It's only like, it's like oh, yeah. disgusting because JP doesn't own a washcloth. <laughs> oh, my God. We're not even going to get into that. We've run over time. All right. Thanks again for coming on, JP. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, darlings. Say good night. Good night. I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm JP, and I'm an alcoholic. 
I'm Chris and I'm an alcoholic. Please cut off your pet's privates. And remember, if you're struggling in any way, put your hand up, reach out, ask for help.